Hello, I'm Rochelle Hughes and welcome to the My Little Coco podcast. Every child is completely different and what they want and need is never the same. As parents trying to work, sort out the house, do the best job we can in bringing up our children, I know too well just how overwhelming that can be. In this podcast, I'm going to be speaking to my guests about their parenting journeys, what they've learned along the way and what they still need to figure out. We'll be talking about the challenges we now face as parents in the digital age, whether our upbringings have impacted our parenting styles and how to balance your career with parenthood. Before I introduce my guest, I just want to say a huge thank you to Boots Parenting Club for sponsoring this series. As most of you know, My Little Coco is stocked exclusively at Boots and as a little treat for everyone, they're offering 15% off of My Little Coco products online, excluding the 26th to the 29th of November. You just need to use the code MYLITTLECOCO15 at checkout. Right, let's start the show. So I'm actually in my kitchen and I'm enjoying this moment because... I've got two kids out, one is having a nap, the monitor is here next to me, so I'm hoping that there won't be any surprise sounds, but I'm excited about today's guest. He was born in Epsom, he's one of three sons and now a father to two, known to many of us as the body coach. Last year he became everyone's favourite PE teacher. He was awarded an MBA for keeping us all moving with his online fitness class. What an incredible person Joe Wicks is. I'm keen to talk to him today about how we encourage and teach our children to be driven, resilient and ambitious. Failure or giving up was never an option for him. So what I want to find out is where that sense of drive comes from. Is it something he wants for his children? And how, I mean, that's the big question, how does he find the balance? Right, I'm going to finish my ginger tea. That's what I've been making whilst I'm doing this because uh, I had a little bit of mama time at the weekend and enjoyed myself a little bit too much. But I've left with no voice. I'm hoping he won't notice. (laughs) So here is Joe Wicks on the My Little Coco podcast. I want to go far, 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 far back, okay? So that's how I think we're going to start this. Because obviously we're talking about parenting. And I don't know about you, but I find it really weird when I put on that hat. Because in many ways, I feel a little bit of a fraud. Because I'm like, I'm actually a grown-up now. And I'm actually <laughs> responsible for three little humans. And in a, in a weird universe, I'm like, I'm not sure how that actually happened. Because I still call my mum constantly like what did, what did you do when this happened to me or asking her for advice so let's talk about your own childhood what what did that look like well I had a pretty um chaotic upbringing really I don't know if you've listened to some of my like desert island discs or some of the podcasts I've done where I've been quite open about my childhood but my mum and dad both suffered with what I know now is you know really quite intense mental health issues so my mum had severe like OCD and um, she'd be cleaning the house like three or four times a day and she had eating disorders. She's always very tiny and my dad suffered with um, drug addiction. So I think I've got really great memories of being a kid and I had some really wonderful memories of, you know, family time. But there's also a lot of broken memories and times where I missed out on certain things. So my dad was in rehab or my mum was in therapy. So I kind of 
I found it quite interesting. I've just been filming a documentary, actually. I've gone back into my childhood and really, like, spoke to my mum and dad about what, what I went through. And it's weird because you kind of block so much out as a kid. You know, you forget certain things. But I think all the experiences that I went through really have made me the person I am today. I'm, I'm a really... I'm really, you know, I'm a really passionate, um, you know, parent. I love being a parent. I love being present. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a good husband. And I think the things I've learned from my dad's experience and my mum's relationship, because it was very, you know, a lot of friction. They were arguing a lot. You know, it was always quite tense. And a lot of, um, you know, things got tough. They were just like, it would fall apart. So I think my childhood experiences have really, like, shaped me and made me, like, a good person today, I think. Yeah. And what what's interesting in what you say there is that now you know, because now we're in 2021, and we openly talk about mental health, which is so important. Now you can really recognise that looking back in, in, you know, in your past life, as it were, you can, you can really recognise that because now we are able to have that conversation and we can educate people about that, right? Definitely. And that's why I really went down this path of like going into, the, into my childhood and really uncovering a few things. Because I think the more I talk about things, the more I share my story, I can hopefully use that to help other people. But it was like therapy. It was really emotional. I did 15 days of filming. It's a one hour documentary coming out later this year. And I was going back into, you know, interviewing my mum and dad about what was it like for me as a kid, you know, because I went through some really mad stuff. And when I think about how much love Indy and Marley need to think of me as a kid and what I went through, you know, like really mad stuff. Like it just, I can't imagine myself as that kid. It's almost like I'm detached from that person. But what I've realised and I've uncovered is that children are very resilient you know and children do get through things and they don't hold it against you I don't hold it against my mum and dad like there's definitely times where my dad went around and my mum would shower us and stuff but I love my mum and dad and my relationship today with them is great you know my dad's clean my mum's really good and really happy and stuff and I think as a parent we put a lot of pressure on ourselves you know if we do slam a door or we lose our temper or we lose our patience it really plays in my mind and I think I feel so bad that I've just done that I don't want to be that dad but I also remember, you know, it's okay. We do have times where we're not perfect. And I think it's letting go of that a bit and knowing that your kids love you. And as, as long as you're providing love and stability, you know, it's okay to slip up now and again. And I think you can really, you know, no matter how tough your situation was, you can really empathise. Being a parent now, you can, the shouting and the, you know, I, my experience was that my dad wasn't around, period. And still isn't in my life. But I, I now look back at my mum and I think with a complete, you know, when I was younger and I was a teenager and I'd storm out and I'd be like, it's so unfair, you won't let me do this, that. Or I look back and I think, oh my goodness me, I would be gutted if the girls did that to me now. And I think, wow, like you did that by yourself. Like that's p- pretty blooming incredible, you know? And I think it's not until... And I remember my mum saying it to me when I was younger. One day you'll realise. And it's and it's so, so true that I really, really get that now. Yeah, I totally agree. And I remember thinking, like, I always argued with my mum. And I look back now thinking, I wish I I wish I understood her. I wish I knew. Because we argued a lot about how the, t- the house had to be clean. I had to tidy up. I couldn't have friends around. I couldn't make noise. I couldn't leave my right. shoes around. It was very, like, because it was like it had to be perfect. Like, immaculately clean all mm-hmm. day, every day. And that was, mm-hmm. as a kid, it felt like it was just, it was normal. It was all I knew. But... Looking back, I understand why my mum went through some really intense childhood trauma that manifested in OCD and, and compulsive cleaning and stuff. And I think if only I had that communication, that's what this show's all about. It's about can we get parents who do suffer with mental health, who do have depression and anxiety and bipolar, can we get them talking to their kids and bringing yeah. them into the conversation? Because, you know, when you're a kid, 
you you don't understand necessarily everything that's going on, but you hear a lot and you know and you feel you feel that instability and you can feel that something's wrong. And I I'm hoping the conversation around that will kind of encourage people to talk and communicate because you know I'm obviously big on exercise. I think exercise is an amazing tool for your mental health. But alongside that, you know, communication and talking about your feelings, whether you're an adult or a child, is is so important. And my my mum, you know, she left home at 15 years old. She was living in a squat. She was. You met my dad. She had a kid at 17. She had Nicky at 17. She yeah. had me at 19. So she was a baby. Like honestly, she was so young and she was learning. And I always look back and think, you did an amazing job, and you are the reason I am the man I am today. Like I love you for that. And I think she always thinks that she did a really bad job, or she wasn't there, or wasn't kind of the mum she wanted to be. But I always say, mum, look, whatever you done worked, because look at who I am. Look at the person exactly. I've become. Shaped you completely, and 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 it always does. And I think. As, it's interesting, and I bet doing this documentary and covering lots of things with your parents, I bet your I bet your mum did find that hard. I bet that was a hard conversation to have. But I think that mum guilt or that dad guilt will always be a thing. It will just move on to something else. Like I have it about working and you know juggling everything, but it but then so did my mum, right? So and my mum still has it about me now. So I think it's something that will always live on through us I suppose yeah well one thing I'm really passionate about as a parent is like I'm constantly trying to learn because as a child that grew up in that kind of loud like chaotic you know doors getting slammed like holes in walls all that stuff we lived in council flats there's always like holes in the walls and I just think what was that and I, I realized it was because my dad would have punched the walls and I you know I don't want to be that parent I want to be calm and patient so I have to really train myself you know because my default is to shout and scream and and lose my lose my patience but I read some I've read a couple of great books one was recently by Kate Silverton it's called there's no such thing as naughty and it's a book all about children you know there is children aren't being naughty they're just trying to communicate and they're trying to express themselves and so me as a parent those kind of books changed my life because it really gives me that chance to like look at Indy differently to understand that Indy and Marley do not have a rational brain like they don't have the wise owl they call it the baboon like like the baboon brain where they're just like you know, they're grabbing stuff and they just lose their mind and have a tantrum because they can't be rational. So in that situation, I'm learning that I've got to be the wise owl. I can't turn into the little baboon myself because then you argue and you can't, it becomes worse. So I'm constantly trying to like learn new things. And when I do find that content that helps me, I always share it. So I shared that book and, you know, it really helped a lot of other parents. So, um, because you've got, you sometimes you need, there's no guide to parents. Sometimes you need a little bit of help to understand what is the best thing to do in certain situations. And those books really change my thought processes when I interact with the kids. Honestly, you're so right. And you're so good for sharing that with everybody because, and do you know what, particularly seeing a man talk in the way you do is so, so refreshing because I think when it comes to parenting and it comes to being vocal on stuff, and, you know, Marv's always good with that too, actually, but I think men sort of retreat a little bit and think, you know, I'm supposed to be the tough one. I'm supposed to be the one that's got this together. And that's not the case. You're not supposed to be anything. We're all sort of muddling our way through parenting and hoping that we do the best we can and we're all doing it with love. Yeah, totally. I think it's nice to be a a proud parent and also be one that's involved, you know, because when you are successful, you are getting pulled in different directions. You've obviously got to be away and doing certain commitments, but I really value the time of the kids. So I have boundaries around like dinner time, you know, where I'll leave my phone and I make sure we sit for dinner and, you know, we do bath time and story time. There's a few things I just need to do every day. And I love that. I love I love sharing that message around, you know, being present, doing things as a family, you know, putting your phones down, like getting active. I mean, whole, the P with Joe thing was all about getting families during lockdown, just moving and having fun. And, you know, I really am passionate about that. So I'm sharing a lot around 
mental health, communication, exercise, all these things that really, really bring you together as a family can really help your relationships improve. But that's exactly what P with Joe did, because like, as you said, at the start, you thought it was a great idea to get kids moving, but it actually became the thing that we did together in the morning. And then I was noticing that on Instagram, it was the parents were involved. And it actually became that time of, because homeschooling was a real challenge. I did, I, I was at that point where I thought, and I was pregnant with Blake as well, and feeling ill with morning sickness and or all day sickness, as I, <laughs> as I called it. Yeah. And it was actually really nice to have that moment where we go, okay, this isn't stressful. This isn't the homeschooling. We've got to get this sent back to the school. This is actually fun. And we all really enjoyed it. And I think you could really see that translating to so many different people. That was the aim. I'm really glad you got to do it. But that was the aim for me. It was, you know, about, it wasn't about people, you know, losing weight. And it wasn't about a physical thing. It was about getting kids moving and families coming together and just to sort of forget about COVID and let loose. You know, I was doing the Silly Billy and the Fancy Dress Fridays. And that was amazing that, you know, just getting everyone together and having fun. And I, I really hope that people continue to value imp- the importance of exercise as a, as a family. Because a lot of parents will go to the gym or they do their thing on their own. And I'm really about role modelling with cooking, with, you know, doing exercise together. These things, like your kids absorb it like sponges. They learn from you and they go, look, daddy was a bit stressed. He's just done some exercise and he's really happy now. Like They're learning. Every time I do that in front of Indy, like, she's learning and it's really drilling it into her that we, we exercise and it changes our mood. And that's a powerful thing for kids, I think. So I want to talk a little bit about the theme of today's episode. And it's something that actually Marvin and I talk about a lot together as parents. And that is instilling drive into your children. Because our children are definitely going to have a very different upbringing to what we did right naturally so for me personally so my mum when she had me we lived in a hostel we were then in a council flat you know times were hard we were by ourselves and I had a drive in me like no other and I still do to this day and I think that's instilled in me from a baby I wanted success I wanted to you know help my mum as I got older it sort of translated into that but when I was younger it kind of I'd see people on the telly and I thought that's what I want to do and I would really strive and work hard and Marv and I often have this conversation and we say like and he was and he was very much the same you know didn't come from a lot but really wanted to to make something of himself and something that comes up a lot is how do we get that drive and that hunger and that passion for life and that zest for life into our children when guess what we are now successful they go to a lovely school they live in a lovely home they live in a nice area which is a complete privilege but how do we get that hunger into our kids and I wondered obviously yours are still very young but I wondered if that's something you've ever thought about it's definitely I can totally relate to that and I've had that conversation with Rosie and my brother Nikki about when he was making the decision to send his child to, you know, either a state school or a private school. And we, we all went to, like, just standard state schools, like, pretty rough, you know, council states. Yeah, but we've done, we done all right. Like, I came out of it, you know, I got my GCSEs, I went to college, and then I went to uni. So I think every child has to have some kind of internal drive and motivation. But as a parent to instill, I think I'm constantly reminding Indy, they're only little, obviously, Indy's three and Marley's one and a half, and I say... You know, you know, we're we're so lucky we live in this house. You know, not everyone has a beautiful house and a and a, and a nice garden. And and some mm-hmm. children don't have lots of food. So you know, let's be let's be grateful. And we sort of end the day with a, I say, you know, what what are you grateful for today? And Indy will say the littlest thing, so cute. Like I'm I'm grateful for my 
you know, my, my dolly or my peas and Marley's cuddles. It could be something really simple. But I think just having those conversations around, you know, that not everyone has this life and that we're very fortunate we get to go on holidays and that we can we can have nice trips and things. And so I think it's just that communication thing. And I think really it comes from the parenting, doesn't it? I mean, your your kids are going to start hanging around with certain kids and with, from different backgrounds in schools. But most of the learning, I think, for me personally, came from just being at home with my, you know, my mum and dad and my brothers and stuff. So I think... Yeah, it's that thing of like you want to give them an easy life, but you don't want it to be too easy that they don't have the hunger and the passion to work. It's quite a battle when you think about it, because exactly that, like I work hard and ultimately everything I do is for my kids. Right. Like I, I want my kids to have a lovely life. I want to be able to take them on amazing trips. But I also want to parent in a way that they don't take that for granted and they don't think that's going to happen and they're going to be able to live here until they're. 20 plus and we're going to keep doing the same things for them because I want them to realize that one day they have to make their own life yeah I think you know especially having multiple children like yourself like I, I want a big family I and I know that you know I'm very different to Nikki and Nikki's very different to my little brother George but I think I think it's just about you know being open around conversations and also the one thing I remember about my childhood is that although my mum and dad used to argue and it was madness and my dad would be off to rehab my mum and dad always used to say, you know, we really love you and we, we're sorry we're arguing, but mummy and daddy love you. So I always had love. That's the one key trait that I remember thinking I felt safe in that. And I also felt like my mum used to say, you can be anything you want. And my dad always used to say, like, I don't mind if you're a dustman or a doctor, like yeah. whatever you are in life is going to be enough. So that's another important thing. So you're, you might have one kid that's really entrepreneurial that wants to go, mummy, I want to launch my own brand. I want to launch a business. And you're going to be like, yeah, go for it. But you might have another kid who isn't as ambitious, but it's okay like it's to not okay. have super yeah like super successful super driven people because some kids just are happy doing a you know some people have to do a nine to five and they put it down and they go home and that's it whereas some people like yourself but you're switched on all the time constantly trying to build and grow and do new things I think I'm just going to let Andy and Marley know you can be whatever you want to be and I'll support you but don't feel like you have to be be wealthy or earn a certain amount of money because for me my happiness comes from the time I get in my family obviously when you earn a bit of extra cash like you obviously feel like a lot less stressed because when I think back to my childhood, all my mum and dad ever argued about was money. It was like it was like school uniform and trips because my dad would be out using the money to buy drugs, right? And like my mum would be like arguing, and we were always struggling. So obviously, with with money comes less stress, but it's still not the most the most important thing for me is that I'm happy in my work and I love what I do, and I think that is the most important thing to instill in your children at an early age. It's not just about you know doing a certain job because it pays a certain salary. I think that's the wrong attitude, really. Exactly that, and I think what you said that your dad said is exactly what my mum always said to me whatever you want to do in life whatever that is do it and go for it you know because the world's your oyster and I think that's what I want my kids to know that anything's possible it doesn't matter your race your sex your whatever that is you've got the world in the palm of your hands and I think I want them to have that confidence I think confidence over ambition if that makes sense you know not every like we said not everybody is ambitious that's not that's not life that's definitely not the same with me and my siblings you know not everybody feels that they need to be a driver the whole time yeah I think self-belief is the most important trait to, to instill I think if you can give your children the belief that they can be what they want they can work hard and they can achieve something I think once you lose that self-confidence and self-belief then you have limiting beliefs and you feel like you know I could never be as successful as daddy or I could never you know work in that job because yes. it's going to take too long I don't know I'm not as smart but self-belief is such a powerful thing because I, I didn't come from a very ambitious background. You know, me and Nikki were the first to go to university. You know, we, we worked together now. Like, he's literally like 
my other half and I love him to death. Oh. You know, my success and my ambition came very gradually. I didn't wake up as a kid being really ambitious. I thought I was really, I really just wanted to be a PE teacher. I wanted to be a school teacher. Um, then I ended up doing the personal training, obviously, and my life changed when I went on social media. But I think as a young child or even like a teenager, you start to feel a bit of pressure, like I need to know what I want to do. And and you might not know. I didn't know until I was 25. I was, at, when I was 25, I was cycling down the West Coast. I packed my bike and I cycled down the West Coast of America, sleeping on the beach and under Malibu beach huts. I was literally like skin. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But when I came back from that trip at 25, I got, do you know what? I'm going to just try personal training because I love it. And so I was quite late really in my career. I'm, I'm 10 years into it now. But I think just give your children the, the time to learn what they want to do and give them the time to kind of grow into something rather than, yeah, rather than like push them saying, I want you to be a musician, please just play the guitar every day of the week. Like, I think giving them the chance to do things, but also letting them find out what they love is going to be much more better in the long run for them. Exactly that. And I think if there's anything like my eldest, who is eight, she wants to try something. I've bought all the uniform and then we've done three classes and she's not into it anymore. Yeah. So I'm just like, whatever, whatever makes you happy, that, that will only ever make you happy as a parent, right? What do you think is the biggest thing you've learned since becoming a parent? And maybe that might be self-discovery in you and reflection of your childhood, but what's the biggest thing you've learned about yourself since becoming a parent? I definitely think it's patience. It's learning, well, it's learned that the importance of patience and getting that kind of emotional regulation because when kids are like, you know, obviously having a tantrum or they're, really hungry and they're pulling at your feet when you're cooking and all these things that these stresses these external things it's learning to understand that they're not trying to annoy they're not being annoying and like naughty they're just trying to communicate because they can't speak yet they can't quite tell you they're really hungry or they just want to be picked up and stuff so I've really had to learn to train that it's almost like a muscle isn't it when you react like if you're on a train and it's and they're kicking off you're on a plane or you're in the airport there's certain situations that in the past would really stress me out and I'd be quite impatient and probably quite snappy and probably not like nice to be around but now I've learned that just take a breath it's fine no one's no one's looking at you right now no one really cares just do what you got to do and calm the children down so I think for me the skill and the, the the tolerance and the patience is something that I'm really like yeah having to work on every day because some days you're like I can't handle this right now it's and you obviously like you might lose it a little bit but I think yeah p- parenting requires so much patience and it's like anything that the, the more you the more you get for it the more you realize you you can choose to react like aggressively and shout or you can choose to react calmly and I think the more times you choose to react with patience and tolerance you realize you can live a happier life because it's like things just a bit more cruisy you're not like up and down like that yeah and I think it's it's I remember my mum saying to me you pick your battles and, and yeah. you so you, that that really dawned on me when I had kids because you think you're getting yourself psyched, like worked up about something that really is really small and they're going to be over it in a second but it's really hard because and I suppose when you do live a fast-paced life, sort of uncovering that new level of patience that comes with having children, because it's not, for a while, they they rule the roost as much as, because they, not necessarily because they're going to get their own way, but because they do determine your mood and dictate your mood. If they're having a, a day where they're teething and they've been a nightmare, you really have to just take a moment, don't you, and just think... Okay. Yeah, it's like meditation. You've got to take a deep breath. And that's the thing. Like, kids are amazing. I love them to death, but they're also the most annoying people in the world. So when they're, when they're tired and hungry and you're go, you know, when you're really calm, just cooking, you've got like a nice little bit of Marvin Gaye playing or you've got some nice <laughs> children and suddenly they both run in screaming. It takes your, your stress levels just go up. And I'm learning to kind of 
I'm learning to just like just take a breath and it really can just be a similar just one deep breath and then like you know just come down to their level and communicate with them and say you know what what can daddy do how can I help you rather than you know what's the matter why are you shouting why are you being you know it's just the way this little things the way you communicate and the way you um just you sort of understand that they're not thinking rationally you have to be rational and you have to be that wise owl and that's what you know these books really help me with that sort of visualization thing of Marley is just having a bit of a mare but if I just come down to his level and just ask him what's wrong and sort of communicate better it's like you diffuse it way quicker and so that's the key isn't it just trying to diffuse things and you know be a bit flexible as well like with bedtime and dinner time like if things aren't going to plan and it's not you're sticking to your time scales I'm, I'm just much more flexible like I'll just let them stay up a little bit longer or wait another hour and we'll just I'll serve the dinner an hour later so that you're not so rigid with these times because that's when things can feel like it's all going wrong and then you sort of start to feel like you might have failed a little bit like that didn't happen when it was but you know you can put too much pressure on yourself as a parent because it's 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 not an easy job. No day is the same to the day before. Yeah. One minute you, th- you think you might have cracked mealtime and everybody loves broccoli. The next day, Valley decides, no, I hate broccoli. I've never liked it. You did. You had it last night. No, I don't like it anymore. And it's like, am I going to make a big thing out of this or am I just going to go with it and let it be? Yeah, you can really like, it's up and down, isn't it? And you can also, yeah, like things, if, if you think oh, I'm trying to, I've done this lovely meal and I've, 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 I've prepared it for you and then they throw it on the floor, they throw it back in your face. You can take it quite personally, but yes. I've learned to just not take it personally. And I would say, look, if you don't want it now, let's just go and play for half an hour and run around the garden. And usually nine times out of 10, you come back and it's a bit calmer. They've burnt a bit of energy. They're a bit hungrier and they'll normally eat the food you served originally. So it's like, that's one of the things I've been quite consistent with, I think, because otherwise you go, oh, let's just do them a quick, you know, bowl of cereal or some egg on toast and we'll do an option yeah. an alternative. But I'm quite consistent with that. I always think, look, they're not hungry now and it's fine. Let's just come back. They're not hungry. Yeah, they're just not right now, but they always, a hungry baby, like a hungry kid will always eat. So I always just give it a bit more time between the meals and then you'll find they eat the food. Yeah, that's, that's really good advice. What do you do, Joe, to switch off? At the end of the day, my thing is like, okay, so half seven, my kids are in bed, there or thereabouts, depending on who's walked up the stairs first. Yeah. But half seven, eight, I know that I can guarantee pretty much I've got a sleeping house by eight o'clock ish the first thing I do is I speak to my girlfriends and I run a bath and that is like my I feel like a new human again what what do you do what's your switch off I know obviously exercise is a big part of your life but other than exercise what's that thing that you take for you so exercise will always be like yeah my number one sort of go-to but my new thing which I kind of invested pretty much because of our mutual friend James is our, who's our therapist he yes. he said Joe all the athletes I treat you know they all have ice baths and saunas. He's like, you train like an athlete. You train three or four times a day, six days a week. You should invest in this stuff. So during lockdown, I got a lovely like wooden barrel sauna, one of those lovely wooden barrel saunas. Oh, I've saunas. seen it on your Instagram. It's very impressive. I love it. It was such a such a nice investment because I've got that and I've got this um, um, copper bath and I've got an ice machine. So I fill the ice machine up. I put the ice in the bath, fill it with tap water and I sort of go between hot and cold. So I have a, you know, 10 minutes in the sauna then I go in the absolute ice cold. You're talking Oof. like two or three degrees. Um, and it's really, it's wonderful. It's really good for the mind and the body. And I find that it's kind of, a bit like meditation, you have to really focus on the breath. You know, like hypnobirthing or meditation, you've got yes. to just only think about the breath um, and really come back to that. So it kind of, whereas you might, might like the hot, kind of nice, relaxing, hot, soapy bath, I like the ice cold <laughs> water because it snaps me back to reality. It brings me back to the moment. 
And it kind of, it gives me an energy that when I get out, it's hard to explain, but it's like a euphoric like energy and your skin feels amazing and your mind feels a little bit calmer and I sleep like a baby. So if I do the hot and cold... Do you really? Oh yeah, wow, it puts me to... It really knocks me out. So I, I do it probably every other night. So I go, you know, I do like sort of 25, 30 minutes down there and I come to bed. Um, if I'm not doing that, I'll probably just chill out, watch a movie in bed, you know, yeah. a nice Netflix documentary or something and uh, get an early night. I think sleep... For me as a person, that sleep's so important to my mental health and happiness. If I don't Great. get enough sleep, I'm so moody. So we try and, you know, get to, get to bed early. Like, if I can, like, do the dinner with the kids and get to get them in bed at sort of 7.38, then if we're in bed by 9 watching something, we can be asleep by, like, you know, half 9, 10. If you go to bed at 10, you're not asleep till midnight sometimes. So for me... So true. My number one key, like, tip for any parents or anyone out there that's trying to get healthy is get to bed an hour early because that extra hour means you wake up with a bit more energy... You've got energy to cook a meal and do a nice breakfast. You've got a bit more energy for a workout. So sleep is literally the cornerstone. It's the fundamental principle of all health and fitness because once your sleep's not there, everything else suffers, I think. Do you know what I started? And I've sort of crept back into my old ways. But for, I did three months of sleeping with no phone in the bedroom. Oh, amazing. And the level of sleep is just... I don't know what happens subconsciously, but you go into a, a deeper sleep than you would with your phone being on charge next to you. And honestly, I'd really recommend that to people. The sleep, the change of sleep is just, it's a different level. So I, I'm really inspired by that. And also that's something I've been trying to do. But one thing I always find like, I do it for a few days and I know like, because I, I'm so bad, I'll wake up like, for you know, for a wee or whatever. And I come back and look at my phone and I go... Or I'll just quickly have a little check on Instagram. And I'm sending like DMs to people on Instagram at 2am in the morning. And I'm like, this isn't good for me. So I do leave it outside and I do it for sort of three or four days. But I always find it's like a magnet. It comes back to my hand. And before I know it, it's in my hand. You know, I'm, it I'm, I'm, it's really hard to maintain it. Even though I know it's, it's the most beneficial thing for my mental health to like not be on my phone. The first thing I wake up and, and the first thing in the morning, sorry, before bed and in the morning. Because yeah. you're, you're so drawn into... Social media, the media, you know, depressing news, upsetting stuff. And so it's so... It's just too heavy. It's so good for me, but yet I still get drawn back. So how did you manage 90 days and have you kept it up? So I've sort of crept back a little bit. Now it is next to me again, but I don't, I don't look at it at all. And I think having that intense period of just not needing it, I don't even think to roll over and look at it in the night it's mad that is really good it's definitely something I'm trying try it tonight yeah it's something I'm try trying it. it's like I'm really so disciplined with my um physical routine but my mental health routine like when it comes to you know meditation and and, and de-stressing and like leaving my phone I find it much harder but it's a good bit of advice that very good bit of advice is there anything you do to teach your kids to be independent so I follow you on Instagram I see that you like I do, get your kids involved in dinner time. I always see them sat on the island helping you. Do they have jobs around the house? Obviously, I know they're young, but are there little things that you're sort of teaching them as they grow to be independent little individuals? I'm not getting them to do any like proper housework yet, but I remember like <laughs> as a kid, you know, I used to argue with my mum so much because I'd have to put my uniform away, you know, iron my shirts, I'd have to make sure my bed was really tight. And if my mum came in and the bed wasn't tight, I'm talking like proper tight against the bed, she'd go, no, rip it off and make me do it again. Or she'd go, I'll do it myself. And so I was always like drilled into me, like I had to be neat and tidy. And I hated it at the time, but then it has helped me later on. Because when I went to uni or when I went to travelling, you know, I was a tidy guy. I was cleaning my little dorm in my hostel and like cleaning my, my little areas yeah. tidy. So those things definitely helped me later on in life. I could use a washing machine and an iron and all these things that my mates couldn't do. So... 
I'm, I'm definitely going to encourage them to, you know, you know, tidy their room at some point. But Indy's very, um, she's very into cooking. So if I'm making porridge, she'll want to sit on the side and stir it or put her berries on and her nuts and stuff. And if Marley's in the kitchen, you know, he's always like, up, up. He wants to sit up and he wants to watch me do things. Oh. And we, you know, we'll like, we'll do like scrambled eggs and I'll let him like put the pepper on or he can throw the, the herbs on and things. So I just love those little moments because it's mess, but they're learning a real skill. They're learning to, you know, make a scrambled egg or make some porridge. Like these things are really useful. So I think as they get older, I'll try and encourage them just to, you know, help out around the house. And if, if we can maybe like, you know, if you want to try and make your bed or, you know, put your clothes away, just little things. But I definitely don't want them to be like weighted on hand and foot and not have a clue about how to look after themselves because that would be the worst. Like a little stroppy teenager doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah. Like that's definitely not going to happen. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's finding that balance, isn't it? I think Alaya helps her sister a lot. So at the minute, Alaya's thing is like in the evening together, they'll go and brush their teeth together. And it's like a really cute little little moment for both of them and I, I look I look in the bathroom and I'm like breaks my heart oh, I love that seeing them interact like I see now Indy she'll say no Marley don't go on there it's dangerous or oh. she'll, she'll if she gives Marley a grape she'll like bite it in half and go Marley it's a choking hazard like she'll oh, she does all these cute girl. little things that she's really like she's really mothering him it's so cute but yeah I, I love how they're interacting it's the cutest thing and they're you know they're lucky enough to each have their own bedroom but they don't ever want to sleep apart. Every night is sister sleepover, so they call it. Oh, really? So they've got that bond where they just, I don't sleep well without my sister. And they, they just love being together, which is... How are they How are they with your new little baby? Your, by the way, your little boys, what the most beautiful eyes. How are they around oh, the new baby? Thank you. Um, like two mothers. A- amazing, but sometimes two on top. Like the poor boy can barely breathe. <laughs> Like, it's really cute, but sometimes you just see, like, they've both got really big curly hair and he's just, like, fighting curls out of his face at all times. But, yeah, like, proper little mums. And what's mad is, I don't know if because Alea's eight, she's just such a helper. Like, she'll be like, Mummy, Blake's nappy's full now. Shall I change it? But I'll obviously change it. But it's like she's just aware of being a little mini mum, which is... Super oh, that's cute. wonderful. I love that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having another baby. We're not we're not on the not there yet, but I think you know a couple of years. I just want to do a bit of travel. I really want the when the travel can open up again, I can take Indy and Marley away on a little adventure yeah. just before they start school and that would be you know nice. things get a bit more um, stable. I'd like to just get away. But once that's happened, I'm definitely going to go for a num- numero tres. Yeah, for sure. So exciting. So there's this that that feeling of new life is just the baby bubble is the best feeling ever. It really, really is. I know. I love it. So you touched on patience being the biggest thing you've learnt about being a parent what are you still figuring out about parenthood oh that's a good question I mean every day is so different isn't it? every day is like a new challenge you think you've got it locked down and then something completely changes and you get a curveball thrown at you and it's <laughs> kind of like what's um what to do now but I think I think what I'm learning I'm really seeing the value in um having individual time with each child. Like, obviously, we do a lot of stuff together, but I went out the other day, I took Marley to see, um, to a farm called Fisher's Farm. It's like a, it's got like a farm and little rides. And I had the most wonderful day with him. And I really, I really connected with him. I really bonded with him. And then I went, the other day, I took Indy to see The Lion King in London, which was unbelievable. Like, I was literally in tears. The first song, Circle of Life, comes on. And I'm sitting over on my lap. And like, this is the circle of life. Like, I've got oh. my little Simba on my lap and the music and the animals start walking down the aisle and stuff. So, I had a really lovely day. Like we went for lunch together. We sat and I just had this really like grown up conversation with her. And I just, I want to do more of that. I want to start to spend time with them individually to get, so they get my full undivided attention. Like no phones, no competition between each other. I think, I think as children, you really just want attention. You want some, um, you want to have be like, you know, the focus. So I think, yeah, I'm, I'm learning to sort of do things as a fan, which I love, but 
have a few hours here and even like half an hour, 10 minutes a day just to go to go off with one and do some story reading and some painting. Like these little moments are really valuable to them. And I think they're going to really remember that and it's going to help us bond, I think. You're so right. You're so right. And I, I actually recently took my middle one, Valley, out for the day by herself because Alaya had a play date and it all happened a bit randomly. But I could just see the joy and I took so much joy out of it as well, actually. And I think where she's the middle child... The eldest, I think, demands a lot more of your attention because that's just how it is. And then my youngest is obviously a baby. And I think to have a day that was just for her was so, honestly, it was so lovely. And you're so right, actually. I think that is really important to give all of them, which is hard when we're parenting, right? But to make that time for each child individually, it means a lot. Yeah, in that book I read, the, um, the, the no, There's No Such Thing As Naughty, it says like, doesn't have to be like an you can do like a hero hour a week like where you have a, he- a hero hour when an hour together but you could just have it like a it's like a 10 minute top up it's called so just 10 minutes where you go right let's go in the garden on the swings or let's go and read a book together that little 10 minutes it means you could have been busy all day and been all over the shop and been out the house and been on zoom calls but when you have that 10 minutes it's almost like it's enough sometimes just to connect again for a moment and let them know that you're there and that you're there to do things and that's what I'm trying to do just little moments like that every now and again and then one sort of hour a week or one day a week where we go out and do something separately and it's um you can't do it every week there's gonna be times you can't but if you can find time to do that and prioritize it your your relationships with your kids just blossom so much Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's such a good bit of advice that really really is So I'm going to move on to a part now that we're calling My Little Questions. And they actually come from Alea, my eldest daughter. And I said, right, I'm talking to Joe Wicks and she adores you anyway. And she thinks it's cool that daddy knows you. She's like, daddy, daddy plays football with him. So I claim to fame. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Um, so I said, right, you've got three questions to ask Joe. What are they? And I had no no sort of part in this this is all her so i'm gonna press play and let you hear them here you go okay i was watching your live workout once and you done a very loud pop what um was it embarrassing oh that's do you know what i'll never live that down but essentially what happened was when i first came live on one of the workouts um i thought i was well i thought i had a few seconds before it streamed and obviously i had a really bit trap wind in the tunnel i thought i've got to let this out now because i was going to do it live on the workout so I let it out and I was so, I didn't know at the time because I thought no one heard it, but it travelled all around the world. I was literally on Australian TV, like breakfast <laughs> TV. And the other day someone sent me a clip from, Na- you know the show Neighbours? One of the Stop. guys in Neighbours done like a Trump during a workout and goes, oh no, I've just done a Joe Wick. So it's like literally oh. travelled across the world. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was embarrassing. But when I owned it and actually laughed it off, I realised that made so many people laugh and they really needed a laugh that day. So I think it was a, Absolutely. It was a blessing in disguise when it's better out than in, isn't it? This is what I teach her. Do you know what? She's at the age where if she if she was to accidentally do one in class, it would be like mortifying. Like to her, that's like such a big thing, you know? Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> it's the opposite for boys. When you're a kid at school, like boys are tr- actively trying to let rip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, here's a here's our next one. My sister done your PE class every single day over lockdown. Did you ever feel tired? Oh yeah, I mean I did it for eighteen weeks. Um, the first lockdown so yeah I was doing it obviously every day Monday to Friday there were definitely days where I was tired but I think in a way it was 
a great thing for me as a distraction for me and it gave me a real sense of purpose and even if I was super tired in the morning when I'd done the workout I actually also felt great so for me it was kind of it was like my little bit of therapy my little energy boost as well oh bless her did he ever did he ever get tired <laughs> yeah I'm not a superman I was definitely tired <laughs> exactly right and her last one Mummy showed me a video of you jumping into a really cold bath. How cold was the water? Oh, yeah, so I do the regular ice baths. My obsession with the cold is I'm trying to get it, like, as cold. I want to be frozen in there. So I throw in 100 kilograms of ice. The temperature drops between sort of, yeah, two and three degrees. So it's not, not going to freeze, obviously, at zero, but it's nearly there. It's freezing. But honestly, it's the best thing I've done for my mental health this year, and I, I'm, I'm loving it. Ah, oh, I love that. Great questions. Yeah, Aaliyah, thanks for your lovely questions. They're brilliant. <laughs> So we're going to do something now called My Little Tips. And I know that you probably get asked a lot, you know, which is the best way to get your children involved in exercise. But I feel like I want to ask you something completely different. And this all stems from me watching your Insta stories last night. And I know that you've recently parted ways with the dummy. Well, Indy has, not you. (laughs) And uh, I saw that uh, Indy's dummy went to the dummy fairy. And my kid's dummy went to the man in the moon. It right. was just, it was, it was, it's what we thought of when we ran with it. How was that for you? And when did you, when did you decide, okay, we don't need the dummy anymore? So Indy uh, turned three about two weeks ago. And she, to that point, was obsessed with her dummy. I'm talking every day, dummy Lala, dummy Lala. So Lala's yeah. her blanket, right? A little blankie. So she has a blankie. Yeah. She's like, dummy Lala, dummy Lala, all the time, every day. She has it at bed, you know, for, for a nap when she's watching TV. And I went on this pee with Joe tour. Um, I came back and Rosie goes, oh, she's given up the dummy. And I said, how did you do that? She, she got this book that she was recommended called B and the, it's like B gives away her dummy or B and the dummy fairy or something. And okay. she read this book to her one time and it, it hypnotised her. So it's about a girl called no. B who gives her dummy to the dummy fairy and it goes to the little babies who need them and they use it for like umbrellas or, the, you know, the, the, the fairies use it for an umbrella or they use it for a little boat when they're in the river and stuff. So you see them using dummies in different ways. And I was like, that is incredible. So literally, she, she read the book. Next morning, she goes, I've given it up. She hasn't asked for it once. I can't believe oh, how powerful one little story was. Yeah, so she, because I thought, I said, Indy, if you still love it, darling, it makes you happy. You can have it as long as you want. Like, of course. When you're yeah. four, whatever, you can knock it on the head. But she she got rid of it. So yeah, that's a book. It's called B Gives Away Her Dummy. It's a really good book. And um, it could be the thing that tricks your kid into giving up their dummy so quick. Well, that was that was a very good tip. There we go. I can see lots of Amazon orders now. Yeah, it's a brilliant little story, but it's amazing. I couldn't believe it. I said to Rosie, she's not going to give up. She's going to want it like, in the car. or She just never asked for it. I can't believe yeah. it. The power of the imagination. That's what it is. And, that's when, and when they decide, I think, is the other thing. Like, yeah. that was all off of her own back. She read the story and was like, I don't want it anymore. And that yeah. was the same with my girls, actually. They were like, I don't want it because I'm three now and I'm a big girl, so I'm not going to have a dummy anymore. I'm like, okay. I love how she, yeah, they start to feel like they're, they're proper independent. She's like... I don't need to go on this bike now because I'm a big girl. I don't need stabilised because I'm this tall. I'm grown up. And when I'm five, I'm going to be this tall. And I just like, just love her talking like that. It cracks me up. The world changed for Valley when she was four. Like she, she ate so many different things. Oh no, I I like gravy now because I'm four. Yeah. You know, that, that, that was, that was a real thing. She didn't like it yesterday when she was three, but today she's going to eat it because she's four. She's got a much more, um, 
like mature palate now. Yeah, she's grown up <laughs> yeah. into it. She'll be eating sushi next and caviar. Fine dining now. <laughs> Fine dining only. Uh, well, listen, Joe, thank you so, so much. We should get together and have a barbecue or a bit of lunch or something. You guys are more than welcome here anytime. We are fully set up for kids at this house. Just beware, if you do come to my house, you will end up getting baptised in the ice bath. That's everyone, <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone has to go in the ice bath. That's, that's it. You can come to mine. All right, wicked. <laughs> I love Joe, and that was such a nice conversation. There is definitely something about talking to someone about their children that is so personal. And what I really took from that, particularly for Joe, is that no matter what he's been through as a child, it didn't make him fear becoming a parent. It actually helped him shape the dad that he is today. And I think it's such a good outlook to have. I'll be back again next week with another wonderful guest. So make sure you follow My Little Coco podcast wherever you get your podcasts to guarantee that you get the latest episodes as soon as they are available. Also, leave a comment to let me know your thoughts on the episode. Thanks again to Joe, my sponsor Boots, and of course, as always, to you lovely lot for listening. For more helpful products and inspiration on all things baby, visit the advice section on boots.com today. You'll also receive helpful advice and inspirations completely tailored to your stage of pregnancy or for the age of your child. And if you download the Boots app, you'll receive digital offers too. 